Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. We just saw the lion dance. Um, It traditionally opens up a lot of events and ceremonies, and it's supposed to ward off the evil and bring in good spirits. Um, So it's it's a very, like, opening, good harmony, good luck event to have. Um, And this is from the Vovignam Boston group. Uh, they do martial arts and lion dancing. And there's like three little lions there, and they're just really cute. One person's like controlling the head, and someone else is like hunched over in the back as the back of the lion. You just heard some of the festivities from Little Saigon's National Night Out celebration over the summer. Boston Little Saigon is one of the city's four official cultural districts. It's located in Fields Corner in Dorchester. The district was officially designated in 2021, but to its residents, Little Saigon has been an anchor for Vietnamese culture in the region for decades. As a part of WBUR's Field Guide to Boston, we visited Little Saigon to learn more about its place in the New England Vietnamese community. And of course, enjoy some of the cultural experiences the neighborhood has to offer. You know, we're gonna eat. Our guide for the day was Annie Lay. She's the board president of Boston Little Saigon. We met up with her at the Boston Little Saigon main office to talk more about the history of the neighborhood. How long has it been Little Saigon to the people? Oh, I would say as soon as they moved in, right after the Vietnam War. How have you managed to maintain the neighborhood's identity? Because a lot of cities change, especially now, right? We have gentrification and stuff like that. Um, How have you managed to keep the identity of Little Saigon, Little Saigon, you know? I would say it's the businesses and the organizations and the people who chose to stay here. People are moving out, but then also people are moving in saying this is where people like to go and do things. Um, So with the cultural district, we're actually having people come back to the neighborhood as opposed to moving out. But it's the businesses and the organizations that decided, you know, they're going to keep their Vietnamese classes here on weekends. They're going to keep their martial arts programming here um, as opposed to moving out to the suburbs. And so people from the suburbs will actually travel into the city for the programming um, to make sure their children are still um, learning about their culture and then, you know, going back to their homes. So the businesses are serving as an anchor, basically, a cultural anchor. To, to maintain the identity here. Talk to me about the before and after. Has it made that much of a difference? Are people like, oh, it's a district now? You know, are you seeing more people come in? Before, I would mostly see people who are already aware of what's going on in this neighborhood, um, people already in the know. So like myself, I came here for college, and then, you know, I, I wanted to go to a Vietnamese restaurant because I miss Vietnamese foods. I came to Fields Corner because that's where it was. But now, after designation, I feel like there's more articles and news about the district. Mm-hmm. And so when people actually visit from like Europe on tour, they see it on social media and they see it and they're like, oh, wait, this is new. I can now come to this neighborhood and experience and try Vietnamese food. So I'm seeing more people not from this area coming in. 
um, which is great. It's just, you know, supporting our business owners so that they can um, survive mm-hmm. <laughs> gentrification and whatnot. Um, but we see more people try also different foods, different items, visiting supermarkets. Because um, I think before, I mostly just saw predominantly Vietnamese in the restaurants. But now when I walk in, it's like a whole mix of diversity. Mm-hmm. What have you been able to do now? that you have this designation? So we now are able to put in more arts and programming. Um, we are working on re- renovating some spaces so that we have p- uh, community space for people to gather. Uh, we're, we're working on some artwork. Um, we had done in like an art alley temporary installation, um, but now we're working on a permit installation. So we're working on things that just beautify the neighborhood, but also bring in the richness. Um, and also just bring in safety because the alley parts of it are kind of dark. And so the additional lights and people being in it actually just bring out a better like sense of safety. Um, and we're hoping to work on some more murals and um, not paint over the existing murals, but also just to help renovate them. Um, so they're just give it a fresh new look as opposed to the fading paint that you'll see when you come visit the neighborhood. Talk to me about what this community means to New England. Do you find that this is a hub of sorts for the Vietnamese community in, in this region of the country? I do believe so. We're the only Vietnamese cultural district in the New England area and for the folks around here, people travel from Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont to like go to the, the, the Lunar New Year Festival. Um, so they travel far just to be part of their community and for their children to learn about the community. And so it's a nice place to visit so that people can just experience what it means um, as opposed to like traveling all the way to Vietnam to experience it. It's a little closer. Um, that little taste of home. Mm-hmm, the, the taste of home. And so, like, for the Lunar New Year celebration, you want to celebrate and enjoy it, but not every city has a festival to celebrate it. And so, with the Vietnamese American community having the festival, people can go and take pictures, enjoy the performances. Some families come every year just to take photos at the event wearing their traditional aoyai. During our visit, we also met Kang Nguyen. He's a board member for Boston Little Saigon and the vice president of the Vietnamese American community of Massachusetts. He told us a little more about the significance behind the name Little Saigon. Saigon used to be a capital of South Vietnam. So we decided to name it because we want to thank the people who served for South Vietnam, even the, the, the war ended the way we don't want it to be ended. But we want to thank you people who sacrificed their life, spent time in prison. So they say, we still thank you them. That means we name it Button Little Saigon. Also, we want to thank American people, especially the veterans who spent years in Vietnam defending for South Vietnam. Button Little Saigon, we still remember you. Mm. A friend forever. That, that's called, called name Button Little Saigon. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more from our adventure in Boston Little Saigon. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. 
but pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with Annie Lay of Boston Little Saigon. Where are we now? Yep, we're at the Genton Supermarket. It's the um, local market here that's on right at the edge of the cultural district. So this is actually the start of our cultural district okay. lines. Pretty much almost anything that you need to make your pho or tadka or any other um, dishes that you want to make. It's pretty big, too. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff in here. Yep, sure. we got fresh meat, fresh seafood, fresh vegetables. What are we getting first? Let's go to the snack aisle. Should I get a basket? Of course, <laughs> our favorite part of visiting any neighborhood of Boston here at the Common is exploring its various culinary offerings. In Little Saigon, we'd hit a number of spots, including Gen 10 Supermarket, a Vietnamese grocer that draws shoppers from all over the Northeast for their specialty ingredients. But, The highlight of the trip may have been our visit to one of the restaurants in the district, Pho Le. Okay, we're going to try roasted quail, uh, the shrimp paste, and um, how about our chicken wings to compare it with others? Sure. Lending mom chicken wings? That's Tran Le. Her family owns Pho Le, which has locations in Little Saigon and Cambridge. And just to be clear, she's not related to Annie Le. Their last names are just a coincidence. Tran was kind enough to treat us to some of her favorite dishes while she told us a little about the different flavors of Vietnamese cuisine, pho lê, and what other restaurants in the area have to offer. Tell us about this restaurant. So um, my family has been in the restaurant industry for over 30 years. Um, At this actual location, uh, we've been here since 2010, 2011. So it's been over 10 years. We serve uh, Vietnamese food um, from all three different regions of Vietnam. Tell me about that. What are those regions and what are the differences? (laughs) Vietnamese food is varied um, by region. So the north is um, usually has a colder climate. Um, Then there's the central um, where a lot of the imperial um, where the imperial palace used to be or is and then there's southern Vietnam, where it's plentiful in fish and um, agriculture. So, of course, the food takes on the landscape of 
the, the region. Right. What we do is we, we take a sampling of all of the different regions. Um, so, for example, pho originated in northern Vietnam. And then there's um, things like the uh, Vietnamese crepe, which is very popular in southern Vietnam. And then we have um, bung bò huế, which is a um, beef noodle soup that is a specialty of central Vietnam. Okay. And then all the different, you know, we have more dishes that are particular to different regions of Vietnam. And that's all we have time for today. If you want to see more of our experiences in Little Saigon, as well as our reviews of all the bites we had around the neighborhood, including my take on a very controversial fruit, the durian, be sure to check out our video of the visit at wbur.org slash field guide. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you like what you're hearing, you know what I'm about to say. Please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, especially Apple or Spotify. Rate and review us. Leave that five stars for us. Let us know how you're liking the show. We'd really, really appreciate it. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.